heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody. I am back. I am back. It's been it's been way, 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 way too long um, since I've last recorded, as you all know. I'm sorry, just fix my levels here on GarageBand quickly just to make sure that I can see the monitor and everything. But we are back. I got to look this up on Anchor quickly because, like, fuck, it's like I've been doing every two weeks because, like, honestly, it's one of those things, too, where the NFL offseason does not have a whole... I know that people are going to go, oh, it doesn't have a whole lot of content, but this is episode number nine. This is episode number nine of the YWC Football Talk Podcast. And today we do have a very, very, not very, very, we do have a very, very special guest. Anyone who comes on the show is a very special guest. Why? Because they agreed to come on here without me having to pay them. Um, But today I do have, um, from NFL underscore draft scouting on Instagram, uh, uh, yes, I do have NFL Draft Scouting. It is run by a guy in Buffalo. Um, just followed up, linked up on him. He's going to come on here. Why? Because, like I say, there's not a whole lot to talk about, but at the same time, too, there is because the NFL just did this wonderful event they do every year called the NFL Combine, and we're going to talk about it. Why? Because the draft is right around the corner, and this year's draft is one of the most highly populated drafts, or not populated, but like populated with such great talent. Usually, you have your top of the top, which we do, and then you have a bunch of people in the middle. This year, there's the top of the top, the top, and then you're going to have your middle just filler out here. But the amount of quarterbacks are coming out of this draft that are going to be good. The amount of wide receivers, offensive linemen, defensive players. It's a very good draft. So stick around because I'm going to get NFL draft scouting on the line. And we're going to be here. We're going to be shooting the shit, talking about the draft. Maybe a little draft talk, a lot of combine talk, and we'll we'll go from there. All right, guys. So back in a second with NFL underscore. Like I got to pull my iPhone again to get the name right. NFL underscore draft scouting on Instagram. Give them a follow. But anyway, guys, we'll be back in just one second. Okay, and we are back. I am now pleased to welcome NFL underscore underscore draft scouting. Ooh, I keep messing that up. It's a long name there. But anyway, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. And uh, let's quickly dive into it. What did you think of the combine? And uh, I want to ask you, who are the uh, two players that impressed you the most? Yeah, thanks for having me. And um the two players that impressed me the most were, I mean, I loved Jonathan Taylor for the longest time, and I thought he was going to run slower. I thought he was going to be not as athletic as he showed, and he was my number one running back, like, by a long shot before that, and now he just he just took away the cake. He performed very well, and I feel like he definitely dominated. So then I, I moved him up a couple more spots. I have him uh, fifth overall. And another player that impressed me was... I'll go with Justin Jefferson because I was looking for him. Um, I had him a lot lower in my rankings just because of the fact that he was getting the ball thrown to him from Joe Burrow, who had a record-breaking season. And I feel like I was unsure about if it was Justin Jefferson or if it was Joe Burrow. So then Justin Jefferson putting up those amazing combine numbers and looking very smooth in the drills definitely bumped him up. Yeah, and even too, like I noticed on a lot of mock drafts too – I noticed um, in the latest ones I've seen that DeAndre Swift from Georgia is higher than Taylor, but 
I see Taylor in a way in the draft, like Alvin Kamara was a few years ago, where he kind of may slip out. If he does slip out of the first round, there's going to be a team that gets out there, picks him up, and you know what? He's going to have a great year for them. That's just that's just my opinion on it. But then also, too, with Jefferson, I think his positioning stays the same, where he goes either uh, Buffalo, New England, or New Orleans. If he stays, he could stay in the state of Louisiana. That'd be quite the combo down there in the Big Easy. But even too, you saw, you saw, like you knew, we knew what we were getting with Justin Jefferson. Meanwhile, Jonathan Taylor, we all know his constant season didn't end well, considering they lost the Big Ten championship to Ohio State and they had the blown lead. And then too, uh, it was kind of the Justin Herbert show in Pasadena on New Year's Day. But just for him to come out and have a good combine like he did, it's just one of those things where maybe, hey, teams are going to look at him now where he may go in the first round as compared to before when he may have been a second or third round player. Yeah, I almost consider Jonathan Taylor, like, I feel like he's not up with, like, the Zeeks or the Saquons of the draft, but I feel like he's just, like, a small tier below that, and I feel like people aren't really putting him in that conversation. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was saying the whole potential to slide, because it seems like yeah. now you have to be that big, just, like, that big powerhouse running back where you're, if you want to go in the top five, like, this year, obviously, the run, there's not going to be running backs in the top five. Considering yeah. we have two quarterbacks, two um, one very outstanding defensive lineman, and the other player, I gotta wonder where he's gonna go is um, Isaiah Simmons, especially with the talks of the Giants being open for, for business. If I'm the Giants, unless Miami's trying to leapfrog ahead or even the Chargers to get Tua, I just have a feeling with like a guy like Ike Simmons, if I'm the Giants, you should stick it four with him because your team's defense is honestly your weak point right now, and besides the offensive line. So if they can go out there and get either, what's the guy's name? Um, gonna butcher this mckay back back beckton from louisville or simmons it's like a win-win for them like that's how i feel like this yeah. year's draft is for a lot of people who are looking for positional talent you're gonna win regardless especially with even the Tua situation where not so much where oh if you like if you get him and the medical's not good but you know what if he can stay healthy he's just gonna catapult your team that much further and you're gonna attract free agents in the coming years yeah i, I totally agree with that fully especially with the Giants, what you were saying there. I think Isaiah Simmons is a very good player. I have him at number two, and I know a lot of people a lot of people have him in their top five, but they don't have him that high, and I just feel like he's been – he's just such a dynamic player, and you can put him anywhere on the defense, and he just plays outstanding no matter what. So I feel like having somebody that versatile is just awesome to add to any defense. Exactly, and even to um, – like this year, I feel like if – Joe Burrow doesn't like the world on fire and doesn't have the season he had. And say, for example, the same thing still happened to Tua where he does have the hip injury. Um, what was it called? Um, sorry, I just got a text there. It threw me off. But the one big thing I was going to say is because like how you have you have Chase as the best player in the draft. I think arguably, without a doubt, if Cincinnati already had a quarterback, Chase would be going to the Bengals. But it's just that you're, yeah. you know what? Cincinnati, you need Burrow. Even though you need defensive help, like it's just there's no questioning it. But at the same time, too, if Washington does end up with Chase Young, which I think they should do, I know their whole the flirting with Tua thing. If you're Ron Rivera, you want Chase Young on your squad. He's just a wrecker. And plus, two, look, you're going to need someone who's going to want to go after Dash, who's going to go after Daniel Jones, who's going to want to go after uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I feel like Joe Burrow. I feel like he. I don't know. It's kind of like the draft is weird, so a lot of different things can happen. But I feel like. Everybody has Joe Burrow at number one right now, and I feel like he would definitely help out that team a ton. I mean, Joe Mixon, he looked very great at the end of the year, so he'd definitely he'd be probably an elite back next year with Joe Burrow under center, and it would just boost that whole offense like crazy. Um, and the other thing, too, I see with the Cincinnati Bengals right now is, and um, what was I going to say? 
they had a lot of close games last year where even though they did have a bad record, you know what, it was just like the LA Chargers, but on a much worse scale where you're losing a lot of close games or games that you're in and should be winning. You just ended up losing, like, even, I think there was the week one game at the Seahawks, and then there was just other games. But even two other players I look on here, and just on your list quickly, and the one that's really leapfrog, but he's, I think he'll go high, but I don't know who, it, but I think he'll end up in the teens, is um, Jerry Judy from Alabama. Like, every time you see Alabama, it's always him just running. I know you have, uh, what's, uh, you have Ruggs, who can just run, like, who ran an amazing 40, but... I'm just, like, wondering, would you take Judy first or would you take Ruggs first if you're an NFL GM and both are on the table? Um, well, at this point and seeing what I've seen, I Ruggs, what, like, he is one of my favorite players in the draft. But, like, it's hard to explain because he's, like, one of my favorite just because I love watching his speed. But um, I feel like Judy is the better all-around receiver, so I'd probably take Judy. And because after seeing Henry Ruggs having his leg iced after that 40 – Kind of brings back the uh, the John Ross when he got like he got hurt a little bit after running his forty. So I just don't want to see Rugs end up in that same situation, just getting injured all the time. Yeah, exactly. Because even look at Ross now; he's just him and AJ Green have been kind of that whole just up and down with injuries. And even to um, even the other players too. Like this draft, I was saying this to my intro. You want a quarterback or a wide receiver? You're not. You're in a win-win situation because like even to say for example. You get down the board, and I know Jordan Love's really come up, but man, I don't know how people like. Even though like people think Jordan Love's great, I don't know how you ignore Justin Herbert, who I saw was in, on the NFL's All Offensive Team for the Combine. It was Justin Herbert, a quarterback, who and you know what, Oregon may not have had the best years when he was there, but you know what, you win the Pac-12 this year, you light up the Rose Bowl, you go to the Senior Bowl, you're the MVP. Herbert's a player that you know what people are not going to know what to think of him going into the NFL, but. He's a guy that just can go out there, have a great career. Why? Mobile, and two, he has got the arm strength. Yeah, you hit on everything I was thinking about him, too. I was going to say how Justin Herbert, I mean, I don't really care for, like, the long, the long-range the long throwers. Like, I mean, like a Josh Allen and Patty Mahomes, they have potential, and obviously Patty Mahomes is just absurd. But, like, you're not going to hit on a Patty Mahomes every single time. You get people like a Chad Kelly that just – don't do very well just because they have that raw talent. Not everybody can form a guy into be the perfect, like a Peyton Manning. But like Justin Herbert, I feel like he has the potential to be like the best quarterback in this draft. And I know that's kind of a stretch, but it's just something that could definitely happen. Especially too at the fact that um, Burrow was a one. Call it what you want. He had an amazing year, but for right now, it's a one-year sample size with Burrow where. He could come into the NFL and be Matt Weiner, where he flakes out, or he could be like, or we're two, or not with two, well, no, 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 with like Tua. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, like Mitch Trubisky, but I, but with Mitch Trubisky, even too, with I always remember that because I remember John Lynch basically playing mind games with Ryan Pace, being like, oh hey, we don't know what exactly we're gonna do, and then for him to trade up, Chicago had to get a lot just to move up one spot, even when we knew San Francisco was going to take Solomon Thomas in that draft. Yeah. I have a feeling, too, some GM made... That's why with Miami, I worry about them if they want to move up for Tua. Because, look, they could... Detroit, sitting at three. They could go out there and get Simmons. They could go out there and get Okuda. But if they go, oh, hey, we may take Tua, especially considering we don't know what Matt Stafford's injury status is. I'm only saying that, too, just because, like, look, he had a great year this year, but he got hurt. 
and he does have a history of injuries. But with Detroit, they can easily go out there and be like Miami, like, oh, hey, we want all three of your first-round picks, or even two. Like, look at the RG3 draft here. Like, you don't, I'm not, like, before people get on my case and everything and compare them, it's just, the NFL draft's a big game of, we don't know what we're going to get sometimes with players, and I'm only saying this because of the injuries. Not injured, two is number one, hands down, there's not even a question about it, even if Burrow has the unreal season he has. Yeah, I I kind of disagree a little bit there. I like, um, I mean, Tua definitely, he has the, my favorite personality. I feel like when I just watched tape on him, I felt like he didn't impress me as much as like a Joe Burrow, but I mean, I know it's one season, but um, even Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert, he kind of had some iffy tape, but then later in the year, he started to do very well. And like, and just in the recent time, he's been, he might even be like, above Tua in my rankings pretty soon. But um, I just think that the wide receivers help Tua a lot and that I'm not sure. I mean, obviously Tua is a great player, but I'm just not sure how great he's going to be in the NFL. Exactly. And also, too, the other way I look at this is with Tua, too. I think if the first year, I would honestly do with him what the Kansas City Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. You know what? You let him. Yeah, for sure. You just let him rest or even Tua. Throw him in in decoy plays, kind of like what the Saints do with Taysom Hill. And I'm not saying, no, you're not going to put him in at running back or tight end. No, you're going to run plays where, you know what, you have, you basically have Tua coming in. Because, look, if you have him in that decoy role where he comes in and just throws, teams are not going to be ready for it. If he's sitting on the bench and then it's all of a sudden, hey, we're going to throw in Tua and um, let him do his thing. Kind of similar to what Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson his first year. Exactly. The only difference is, is I think if two yeah. ends up in Miami, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think it'll carry the load a little bit better than Joe Flacco did yeah. with, with Baltimore after getting paid. Um, and two would throw the ball a lot more than Lamar did during his rookie season. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Even we like we saw them in the playoffs with Lamar Jackson, where with Tua, you're going in there confident, saying if he chucks it, there's not a chance it's either going to get intercepted or he's yeah. just going to go a yard. And even two, he can escape the pocket like Patrick Mahomes. So I feel like no matter where Tua goes. Another team I actually just thought of that could move up, and also too, this is because they have an their quarterback situation is questionable. I know they're in the Brady talks, but if I'm Mike Mayock, do I consider? And they have two. I think they have. I don't remember if they have the Dallas first round pick. I don't think they do. I know they have Chicago's. If I'm the Vegas Raiders, do I consider moving up to get Tua? Because look at it. If a team like Vegas who has an unreal offensive line in, you have Derek Carr there, which Derek Carr probably is gone in 21. You give Gruden Tua to work with, with that offensive line, it's also more of a security blanket just because they know, look, he'll be better protected as opposed to going to the Miami Dolphins, who did have quite the suspect offensive line this year. That's just something I, I thought of just on the top of my head. Yeah, I feel like I, it's probably not going to happen. Like, There's probably like a 99% chance it's not going to happen. But I feel like the like you were saying with Taysom Hill, I think Tua would fit perfectly in that New Orleans sitting behind Drew Brees for one year. That would probably be his best situation, but it's very unlikely. That is a situation that, like, I feel like if Saints fans heard that right now, like, they're just kind of, like, like, you know when you see those com- those cartoons with the hearts just, like, pounding out of the chest and love? That's, yeah, like, what sure. Saints fans are feeling. But I think they're, they're giving the keys to Taysom. And also, too, I the Saints, I think, either need to go after a corn, like a, a defensive back to replace Eli Apple or to get another receiver because after a while, we saw this with Green Bay, Devontae Adams – didn't have a second person to go to or a person of top caliber talent like we saw with Kansas City and San Francisco where you have multiple options at receiver. So if I'm the Saints, I'm looking seriously looking at Justin Jefferson or even T. Higgins draft. Yeah, I feel like Justin Jefferson, I see a lot of people mocking him to the Saints. I feel like that would be a great fit as well. I 
I like Justin Jefferson a lot. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of the wide receivers in this draft. If you go in like the third round, you can get somebody that's just as decent as somebody like in 2018 or 19 that would be like a second or maybe even a first round pick. Yeah, and even too with the um, with the wide receiver thing, and also do Grant Delpit, who I've been seeing a lot going to the Patriots on the mock drafts. And also, because I think the one I've seen the most is T. Higgins to Buffalo, which I've been saying this for a while, but Buffalo is a very good receiver away because, like how the Patriots did not win this year with, like, Edelman, Harry, and Jacoby Myers, the Bills aren't going to get anywhere if you have John Brown and Cole Beasley. You need that big, tall, explosive receiver. That's why That's why I feel like if they get, like, a T. Higgins or, a Je- or they can even get Jefferson, Buffalo next year is a team to watch out for. Yeah, I feel like they were trying to look with like to get Kelvin Benjamin in that role, but he just didn't work out too well. And then um, moving on to the next thing, I was thinking uh, Jordan Love to talk about him. I feel like a lot of people think he's greater than what he actually is. I don't think he's going to be that great, but I feel like he's going to go really high in the draft just because of his potential. How do you feel about that? Um, I've seen a lot from this because I watch like I've, as you know I'm from Canada, but I watch a lot of YouTube clips from like Get Up and First Take, and I've seen Tom McShay talking about this where it's like. Oh, in 2018, he was that team that he was that quarterback that every team wants. But with 2019, he was throwing a lot of interceptions. When you're getting that, that reminds me of a Jameis Winston, where you know what, it's a huge gamble if you're going to take him. That's why I see more. Like I don't understand why like a Jake Fromm or even Jalen Hurts is that high on the board. Because like, look, Jalen Hurts this year went to Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, had an unbelievable year. Now they lost obviously because of the Big 12. He they don't know how to play proper defense. But I don't understand with Jordan Love where it's, okay, wow factor. He can get the ball out of it. He can have that precision throwing where, you know what, he knows where it's going to go even if he's not looking in that direction or he just sees that opening and he's just going to get it in there. But the interceptions is a huge thing to watch out for because, like I said, look at Jameis. Jameis has all the potential in the world to be a great quarterback, but he gave up, I believe it was six or seven pick sixes this year and he had 30 interceptions. It's just one of those things where Jordan, it's like drafting Jordan Love is like, I feel like kind of buying a used car where it's in good shape and all, but sometimes you don't know exactly what you're going to get. Like, say if the car's got a problem that you weren't really well known where of. Yeah, that's great what you were saying. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I feel like Jordan Love, uh, I, I don't know where he would go in the draft. I see a lot for the Colts, but... I don't know, maybe the Chargers. Last year around this time, or like last year, probably a couple months, like six, seven months ago, I saw like reports saying that Jordan Love was going to be the first quarterback taken off the board. And I was just thinking to myself, I don't even know who this guy is. I was watching film on him, and then I just saw his interceptions, and I don't know. I just don't like him too much. I mean, he could be amazing, but just right now, I don't feel too great about him. One team I think the Colts should draft, because I. If I had to be a betting man, I'm, I would put my money on just uh, um, Philip Rivers going to the Colts. Just because, like, look, the Colts are in a win-now mode where you've got the great yeah. offensive line, you've got the wide receivers, you got a running back, you got a pretty good defense. I honestly think if you want a year for someone to develop, I think Jordan Love with the Colts would be a good option. But also, too, why not Justin Herbert? Like, I'm, I'm like a why not to him? Because, look... If you give Justin Herbert that chance to, you know what, develop Frank Wright, a very good offensive coach, there's not going to be pressure for you to go in right away and win or even start. But the same thing, too. All these quarterbacks, I feel like that you don't know what they can be. 
can fit into systems where you can throw them in here or there, like what happened with Lamar Jackson, like a Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes, you know what, red shirting your rookie year in the NFL is not exactly the worst thing in the world as compared to putting the weight of the world on your shoulders. Because, like, look at what happened this year with the Cleveland Browns when everyone was going AFC North. Oh, hey, they could be in Miami. And right away, I'm going, this team won zero games two years ago. I'm not expecting them to go from zero to hero that quick. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like the the most quarterback ready like to start in the NFL would probably be like out of my list personally. I would go probably Joe Burrow, then probably Justin Herbert, and then maybe Tua, and then like I'd probably even go Jake Fromm over a lot of other guys too. I think Jake Fromm. I don't know. I think, I feel like he's gonna be like a Derek Carr kind of like he he'll be above average, but he won't ever have like the potential to be like a Patty Mahomes or something. Yeah, there's a lot of the, there's a lot of players like that, like or with Jake Fromm in that sense, where you know what he may come in, he may not light the world on fire, but then at the same time too, I feel like he'll be that team, he'll be that quarterback who's on a team where you know what, pretty average. A team I would like Jake, uh, I think Jake Fromm could fit into is the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, considering I don't think Mason Rudolph or Doc Hodges are franchise quarterbacks, but the same thing too. I feel like a lot of these quarterbacks, it's even if they're not NFL ready, you get them behind a proper veteran. Like, look, Ben Roethlisberger, we don't know how much longer he's got left. So, if, like, a Jake Fromm or even two, I saw a lot of drafts had this kid going to the Green Bay Packers, but a Jacob Eason out of Washington. I feel like a lot of these kids would benefit from a learning experience, not a, hey, go in right away. Like, Joe Burrow, I'm confident with. Tua, if he's healthy, confident with. Same thing, too, like you said with Justin Herbert, because Herbert can manage the game very well. But for a lot of the other quarterbacks, it's a kind of a wait-and-see and a feel-out process. That's also, too, why with Jalen Hurts, I wasn't surprised he wasn't up higher, but I feel like, too, with Jalen, there's going to be a team out there that's just going to grab him and be, like, smiling their face once they get this kid on their team. Yeah, I feel like if you see a team in the first round that you expected, like, oh, why the heck didn't they go, didn't they go quarterback? <clears throat> Excuse me. I feel like they might go and grab, grab uh, Jalen Hurts in the second round because I feel like he's a great prospect, and I feel like, He's probably right outside my top 50 right now, but I feel like he's definitely worth a second-round pick. Yeah, exactly. And also, too, I feel like um, Jalen Hurts can fit in that Omar Jackson situation where, you know what, if a team likes him, because, like, look, people said this for years. Patrick Mahomes, it was, you know what, sometimes you got to go with your gut feeling. If you overthink a player, that's where mistakes get made in the NFL draft. But if you go in, you know what, you just have a gut feeling about it. Like, look at Mahomes. No one knew where he was. Same situation as Hurts. Big 12 school. Um, not that real, even though Texas Tech obviously is not as good of a program as Oklahoma is. Getting a kid like a Jalen Hurts, you know what? It could be one of those things where if you know what, you have a good feeling about him. He can run. He's not afraid. That's the thing with quarterbacks. Do a lot of them slide? From what I noticed from the film I have watched on Jalen Hurts and the games I've seen from him, he's not afraid to take a hit. And sometimes you, the quarterback, you know what? You need that because a big talking point with Patrick Mahomes is getting hit. Because like, look, the one time he slid dislocated his kneecap with Jalen Hurts I feel like you're getting that he's like a Lamar Jackson body type where you know what he's like Patrick Mahomes I'm not saying anything bad about like the way his body is but with Jalen Hurts he's just got that much more muscle where he's like you know what he's not afraid to get down and get dirty yeah I agree um one thing I wanted to talk about was uh defensive backs and because this is where like after Jeff Ukuda I feel like a lot of people are like all over the place like, especially when I'm looking at different rankings, I have mine a lot different than other people's. Like, uh, I mean, a Trayvon Diggs, he's pretty high on most people's. I have him as my second corner, and I feel like he, I feel like he can play very well. He's a big body, 
who could go up against anybody, and he has the speed to match anybody. How do you feel about some of those corners uh, or safeties? Diggs I like. I also really like Xavier McKinney out of Alabama because, like, Look, and also, too, when you're drafting a kid from Alabama, you know what you're getting. Like, if you look at the laundry list of NFL defensive players who are from Alabama, it's not that whole, like, it's the same thing, too, without, like, it's, they're all starters in the NFL. Like, look, you got, like, the ones that come to mind right away, C.J. Mosley and Dante Hightower, who are, like, C.J. Mosley for the longest time was a staple in Baltimore. Dante Hightower is that voice of the Patriots' defense. Um, Marcel Darius is another example to the defensive tackle out of Alabama. If I think of more as I go on, I can Google it and I'll find all the great Alabama defensive players. They're NFL ready as soon as they come out. So if you're getting um, McKinney, if you're getting Diggs, it's like one of those things like I was saying before. This draft, you may lose out on player A, player B can be just as good. Yeah, like one player... Like, I agree with that Alabama thing. I mean, it's hard to find Alabama players that don't produce in the NFL, like, defensively. But um, for one player, Grant Delpit, I feel like around this time last year, people were, like, having him maybe even the number one player off the board. But then he just had a down year, and he's kind of slid down boards a lot. I mean, he's still projected to go, like, first round, maybe second. But he's a player that I feel like has potential, and I feel like he can be good as long as he goes to the right team. Exactly. I'm just looking at the list right now, too. Like, even just all the players that came. Uh, Draker Patrick, uh, like I said before, Dante Hightower, Courtney Upshaw. Uh, that's not one to look at. Uh, CJ Mosley, haha, Clinton Dick. So I know he's bounced around a little bit. But you know what? Like, I'm just even going to go into like more recent years because I'm on, just on Wikipedia right now. Uh, like, the list of players that just come out and that are ready to go, like, Alabama knows how to develop talent, even to uh, Rashawn Evans from non-Tennessee, Minka Fitzpatrick in Pittsburgh, Eddie Jackson. Um, just the list of Alabama players that you know what, they're going to go in there and they're going to be ready. But also to a Delpit, Delpit's another good option. That's where I was saying the whole, you know what, if a player, if you have Xavier McKinney, McKinney gets taken in like that. I think McKinney goes like 15 to 19. But with Delpit, you add him to like, uh, how like I was saying, with a lot of mock drafts I've seen have him go into the Patriots. He, you fit him in that Patriots defense, especially, too, if they do lose Devin McCourty in the offseason. I'm not saying he's going to be Devin, but over the course of time, he can mature to be that, especially under what the the system that the Patriots run up in Foxborough. Yeah, I feel like Dallas is one of the teams that it's almost hard to picture them not drafting a safety in this draft, especially after they were trying to go out and get Jamal Adams. I feel like Xavier McKinney or Grant Delpetter, it's almost... I feel like it's guaranteed that one of them is going to be in Dallas next year. Yeah, I, I feel like McKinney will end up with the Cowboys. Um, I'm surprised, too, that the Jets don't go after another defensive back. Because, look, their defense, they've been okay. But besides Jamal Adams, who else do they got? And, like, no one. I know they're trying to extend Adams right now. But, look, if you say Adams, look, we're going to get you another uh, body to play with in the secondary. That's just something that's uh, Adams that just puts more confidence into his game knowing that look not all the pressure is going to be on me to perform back there that i'm going to have someone else do you know what back me up yeah i feel the same and i feel like is robbie anderson a free agent this year robbie anderson is that's the other thing i was going to say too uh because i feel like robbie anderson potentially could be in new england but yeah i I feel like the jets i feel like maybe second third round mid rounds they're gonna have to go out and get a wide receiver because i feel like their receiving part is pretty weak at the moment 
Um, yeah, and the other wide receiver I want to bring attention to is C.D. Lamb, just because I've seen, like, a lot of people at first had him going to the Arizona Cardinals, which, hey, for all, because Christian Kirk, he's good, but if you get C.D. Lamb in there with an aging Larry Fitzgerald, you're doing good, but at the same time, too, I feel, um, that's the one thing I just want to point out, because Lamb, unbelievable talent, really quick, really fast, you know what, he can get open. He's the player where I feel like, too, you don't know exactly where he can go, but he easily could be top 10. Yeah, I like I was like bouncing around between CD Lamb and uh, Jerry Judy. Like when I watched the tape, they're both explosive players. I just feel like Jerry Judy might be a little bit better at route running, and I just feel like I don't know. I just feel like he's a little bit better than CD Lamb at the moment. Yeah, like I'm no doubting Judy. I think Judy should be the first wide receiver taken off the board. I just feel like not a lot of spotlight's been shined on the um, on the Lamb, and also too, if Lamb goes to Arizona. Guess who the quarterback is of Arizona? Kyler Murray, fellow Oklahoma player. And also, too, I don't know why, but I've been saying that the Arizona Cardinals are moving in the right direction right now. I know they haven't had the best few seasons, but with Kyler Murray, with Kenyon Drake, if they can retool their defense and fix that offensive line, the NFC West is going to be a scary division for the next at least five to ten years. Yeah, like you were saying about um, CeeDee Lamb to Arizona, I feel like I did see a lot of people, like almost every mock draft I've looked at has CeeDee Lamb going to Arizona, and that just kind of puzzled me a little bit. I just feel like Arizona drafted, like, I think it was three wide receivers last year in the draft. Uh, Andy Isabella is the one that comes to mind right away. Yeah. Here, I got it right here. Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and who's the other? Keyshawn Johnson. Okay. drafted all three of them, and they also drafted a tight end, Caleb Wilson. Last year as well. I feel like, me personally, I don't feel like they're going to spend a lot more draft capital in getting a wide receiver. I feel like they might maybe in the later rounds, but I don't feel like they're going to go first round. That's my opinion. But That's why I feel like if they don't go Lamb, I think they do go Derek Brown out of Auburn, who's a v- very good. He's every When you look at defensive linemen, Derek Brown is what a defensive lineman is. He's fast. He's quick. He can get to the quarterback. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Derek Brown might not be there when they draft. So I feel like Arizona might be a candidate to trade down if like a quarterback does fall, and then they could get some draft capital that way, just build around their team. I feel like they have a pretty decent young team, in Arizona, but I feel like they just need to develop and have more coaching going on there. And also too, like I do like Cliff Kingsbury last year was one of those guys where I was going, I'm not so sure about that, but I think that Steve Kimes got to have a good draft this year in order to have that job security with Michael Bidwell. That's that's me. I've been saying that, too, because I feel like Kime is on the hot seat, considering, too, the Josh Rosen obviously struck out. Kyler Murray was there. You have the first overall pick. But we'll see what happens with the birds in the desert. Yeah, I feel like, <clears throat> like moving on to running backs, I feel like one running back that is kind of like a, you could say, sleeper that I just moved into my top 50 is Anthony McFarland. And I feel like... I didn't watch like I didn't watch like any tape on him before the dra- before the combine, but then like after I saw him have that great combine, and I just felt like his footwork was very well. I mean, a lot of people would be like, "Oh, he's forty. That just like you know, that's the only thing." But he definitely made some good like cuts. His footwork definitely stood out to me, and I feel like he could definitely be a sleeper running back in the draft. The other two I look at as sleepers is Edward Zelaire from LSU, and then J.K. Dobbins who. J.K. Dobbins, remind, of the way he runs, it's kind of like that Saquon Ezekiel look you're looking for. He doesn't have the height, but you know what? 
he's got that power and explosiveness just to get a hole and just run with it. So when I saw them a little lower, I feel like too, Edwards Alaire and J.K. Dobbins, just because of the amount of talent in front of them, will be second round picks that like will be compared to like Debo Samuel this year. Yeah, I also feel like um, another pe- another two that have potential to be the same as like you were talking about would be Cam Akers and A.J. Dillon as well. I feel like A.J. Dillon has like the uh, Derrick Henry body type. He's that big body, and he runs super fast. He ran, like I think it was like a tenth of a second faster than Derrick Henry at the combine. And he might have even weighed more than Derrick Henry. So that's that's something to look for. A.J. Dillon out of Boston. Out of Boston College. Um. Yeah, because even just, like, looking at, like, your top 50 right here, like, there's, like, another player, too, I see with going back to the wide receivers is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to screw this name up, but, uh, the the guy out of Colorado, uh, Chenault Jr., I can't Uh, Oh, LaVisca? LaVisca Chenault Jr., um, he's another player that I've just heard everything about, like, like, in the same thing, too, where the pro, sometimes, too, I feel like the schools have a lot of reputation, where it's like, look, if you see Alabama right away, it's boom. When you see Colorado, which the Pac-12 is probably the weakest out of the top five power conferences when it does come to football, and Colorado, too, not the best program. When you see a talent like that, though, sometimes you got to go, you know what, you got to ignore the school and pay attention to the talent. Yeah, I feel like LaVisca Chenault, he, like, I had him, like, at a first-round talent, and I feel like he is a first-round talent, but that injury and that surgery he's going to have might make him drop out into, like, the second round. But he definitely has great talent. He can run the ball. He can obviously catch the ball and he has that big body i think he's like 220 pounds so it's nice to have a good reliable wide receiver out there i I saw a thing today saying somebody is comparing him to like uh mike thomas like in the way that he makes catches and stuff and i feel like that's kind of that's kind of a good fit you know what depends which team being compared compared to the guy who does live up to his social media handles of camp guard mike (laughs) not exactly the worst thing in the world um that was the other thing, too. Going back to the Saints quickly is why I was saying earlier with the Devontae Adams factor. With a with New Orleans, I could see them draft, draft, getting either, say, Del Pitt or Jefferson. I feel like one of them's going to New England and one of them's going to New Orleans. But you know what? If you get Justin Jefferson in New Orleans, especially if we don't know that this year is Drew Brees' last year, if you have your offensive considering Latavius Murray, Alvin Kamara... Um, who's their fullback? Jo- Who is their fullback? Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the fullback in New Orleans. You're going to have Taysom Hill as well. You're going to have, obviously, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, Josh Hill. Um, John Kuhn? John Kuhn, that's it. Um, if you have Justin Jefferson on the other side of the ball, you know what can happen. Also, too, you do, at the same time, too, I know they have the... Um, Speedy return man out of, even same thing to a very small school, Deontay Harris, I believe is the guy's name. I believe it's his name. I'm just blanking on it right now. Um, shows how well prepared I am. The Saints next year are a team, you look, if they can get a kid like Jefferson, they're going all in. And you know what? You can pick up a secondary player in the second round. Say, for example, if they want to go after uh, A.J. Terrell out of uh, Clemson or even to a player. I don't think I see on your list, but uh, Tanner Muse from Clemson as well. Yeah, the are you talking about the safety? Yeah, the safety Tanner Muse. Because like, look, yeah, he they have to replace Eli Apple. Yeah, he impressed me. I feel like the Saints could definitely go like a Justin Jefferson, and then like you're saying, like a defensive back in the second round, and then if Jake Fromm follows them in the third round, I feel like that would almost be like a match made in heaven. 
Exactly. Also, too, the other player I looked at, I wanted to look at quickly that I know is a very good talent, but I'm not sure exactly if he's going to get drafted or if he's even going into the draft considering he really wasn't that well of a star, but it's Brady Breeze out of Oregon. I only know the name because, look, he had a very impressive Rose Bowl, but I know I believe he's a senior. I'm try- I Google Brady Breeze, and literally the first thing that comes up is Tom Brady and Drew Breeze. So having that namesake is not really the best thing in the world, but... Uh, yeah. Let's see right here. Uh, he was a junior this year, so I feel like if anything, he could be going back to school. Uh, Wisconsin can't escape or any kind of momentum changer for Oregon Ducks. Uh, a lot of this yeah, stuff... I, I think he might be going twenty twenty one. Okay, so yeah, he'll be twenty twenty one. Which with that draft, it's not even a question of who's going number one overall. It's kind of scary to think that, but yeah. <laughs> we already know. Unless barring some miracle season this year because next year i don't see a whole i don't really know that much about the quarterback pool next year but i know there's a long-haired boy from that plays in south carolina that i think is going to go number one overall yeah but i don't know who you're talking about uh it's like trevor lawrence maybe yeah that's it but with um you know next year if say if a bad team like say if one of the bad teams from this year like a detroit um washington uh, New York Giants go number one. Your phones are going to be ringing off the, and you you're allowed to swear on this if you want to. Their phones are going to be ringing off the fucking hook for Trevor Lawrence. Think about it, like how with 2016, where you had um, Goff and Wentz, how L.A. and Philly moved up. I think next year there's a very good chance a team moves up to go get Trevor Lawrence because that's that's a once in a generational talent. That is a Connor McDavid for the NFL level talent. Yeah, I kind of feel like. I mean, I get like these like this weird feeling where I feel like Tom Brady's gonna go somewhere else. New England's gonna be dreadful for like the first time in a long time. They're gonna go and get Trevor Lawrence, and then they're just gonna be unbeatable for years to come again. And that just kind of I know that'll hurt for a lot of people, but I feel like that's what's gonna happen. I have a I have a big feeling about that too, especially because you know what with the Patriots this year. They could ride out if, say, if they want to decide, you know what, we're going to have a bit of a back year. We're going to start Stidham. We're not. Because honestly, I'd rather have Stidham than Andy Dalton. And that's not an insult to Andy Dalton, but you know what? Stidham is a good quarterback. It's just he's not up there, but he's a very better capable backup than Danny Eatling was, or even two, once we've seen him start Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I agree. Um, another name I wanted to talk about was who I didn't even have on my radar too much. I mean, I, I heard the name a couple times was Adam Troutman. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but the tight end out of Dayton. He impressed me a lot at the combine. He wasn't like insanely fast or anything, but he, his hands were great. He looked like he was good at blocking. He looked like he was a good all around tight end. And I feel like if somebody could maybe get him in like the third round, if he falls that far, he might go second, but I feel like that would be a great pick if you need a tight end for sure. And also, too, the other great pick that really impressed the Combine is um, from FAU, Harrison Bryant, who I feel like will be a second to fourth round pick. Yeah. I had uh, Hunter Bryant in my top 50 before, and then um, his tape, its he impressed me on tape a lot, but um, his Combine, he didn't, I just feel like he's not going to be that great of a blocker, and then Seeing him as only like a receiving tight end and having him not produce on the 40 kind of was disappointing. So I moved him out of my top 50 just because I'm not sure how he's going to produce at the NFL level. I don't think he's going to be as great as he was at the college level. That's a very good point to make with that, especially with this one podcast. Um, the, like, that's the thing with Harrison Bryant, too. It's just one of those things where, you know what? 
the combine is out of the out of all the four major sports. I'm saying that, but me even knowing, I don't even know if the MLB does a combine. Like the I know the NBA does one and the NHL does one. Which the I know the NHL is in Buffalo and I know NBA. I think it's in Chicago, and obviously the NFL is in Indianapolis. But the NFL Combine is the most important one for these players. I know they have their pro days, but the Combine is where you have all 32 teams. I feel like when you get to the pro days, you're only getting the teams who are interested in you. Yeah, for sure. Especially meeting with all the players and having everything that goes on at the Combine. It's definitely a big event. And, I mean, a lot of people don't think it's as serious. And I'm kind of I'm kind of like 50-50 on that. I feel like it is very important, and it's good to see these players like compared to it's hard to explain, but like when you see somebody on a college team, say somebody like a Justin Jefferson, and they're on a great team, all they have Chase, the other wide receiver there, and you're just not sure how good he is because he looks amazing on tape, but the whole team is amazing. So you want to see him lined up against the other wide receivers at the combine just to see how good he is overall. And that goes back to the kid from Colorado, uh, LaVisca. Like, there, I got it right. Where you're not on that good of a team like the Colorado Buffaloes, you go to the combine and I'm I'm just blanking because I don't I didn't see any film on him from the combine. But you know what? If you have a good showing at the NFL Combine, you're just raising your own stock. It's college level. You know what? It's as much as it is player. It's a team sport. Combine. It's every man for themselves. Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure uh, Lavisca. I'm not sure if he did the wide receiver drills. I know he ran the forty, but then. Because I know he was hurt and all, so I'm not sure if he ended up doing that. I'm not. Yeah. I can't remember, but I know for some reason Jerry Judy didn't do many of the drills, and I was kind of disappointed in that. I, I'm I, not sure why, or if there's any reports on why, but I'm always kind of dumbfounded when I see like even too. I know like Joe Burrow didn't do any drills or anything too with quarterback. I know you're already number one, but you know what? Go give a show for the scouts. If you're just going, oh, I'm just going to wait for my pro day, you look kind of pretentious. Like I know you're going to go number one overall. But when you have a case like this with Joe Burrow, you know what? You go out there, you got to show teams what you're made of. Because, like, it's that whole, that whole Jamarcus Russell doubt may creep into people's minds where if next year Burrow doesn't exactly go out there and light the world on fire. But you know what? I don't have that doubt about him because I am more than confident that he'll go out there and just not, he, like, obviously he's not going to have a 15-0 and season. That's also not impossible in the NFL. But you go out there and you play like what Kyler Murray did this year, where you know what, you win the games you're supposed to win, and if you play a good team, you lose. It's going to be a growing pains here for the Cincinnati Bengals. And if he can do that, Joe Burrow's going to impress everyone and show, hey, 2019 wasn't a fluke. It was just the start of something great. Yeah, I feel like I feel like if he does go to Cincinnati and they keep AJ and like all the pieces of line, I feel like they could do better than a 500 season. I feel like they could do pretty decent. Especially, too, considering we don't know what Pittsburgh's going to be and we do not know what the Cleveland Browns are going to be. Because for all we know, the Cleveland Browns could just turn around and decide, hey, we're going to get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, which I, I doubt it will happen, but Cleveland's one of those organizations you just never know what they're going to do. And also, too, with Cleveland, I would look to draft another defensive end just because, look, you're going to be without Miles Garrett for six games. That's another big factor for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think we saw, too, how much Cleveland suffered last year without Miles Garrett. So you know what? If I'm Joe Burrow, you got to go in there those first six games. Give yourself that gap over, Cle- over Cleveland. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I feel like Cincy could definitely sneak up there and be the top in the top two in that division. I mean, we all know Baltimore is Baltimore, 
as long as uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt or anything, they'll be they should be at the top. But um, I'm trying to think of who Baltimore. I mean, they didn't. I mean, they might go somewhere on defense in the draft. I mean, I'm not sure they're kind of stacked all around. But like, do you think? Like, what do you think they're gonna do? I'm not sure. I'm the one team I'm also not sure about is Kansas City. I feel like Kansas City will go defense as well, but it's like, what do you need? Um, if anything, yeah, I feel like Kansas City might go running back as well. Um, for Baltimore, I could see. I'm gonna try to pronounce his name right. Uh, Yeter Gross Matos from Penn State, just another edge rusher. Because Baltimore, I noticed this where they got to quarterbacks a lot, but they didn't have that noisy, sh- that noisy just shit disturber kind of player, and also too. Um, another player, just looking at your list quickly, they could go out and grab uh, Patrick Queen from LSU. Uh, just, just you know what, get a linebacker because, like, they do have a good defense. But too, if you can just add to that, it's just doing that much more for your team. Yeah, I feel like teams that are good all around. If I was a general manager, I would probably, like, if I looked at my team and I said that I don't need any specific piece, I'd probably go edge, just because of the fact that if you have basically a cycle of like a committee of edge rushers, it'll definitely wear out those tackles and it's just way better to have pressure on that quarterback on defense. Yeah, exactly. You, you nailed that one on the head. Like when you have that community of edge rushers and also to that gross Matos guy, I also look to at the Houston Texans to draft, but then again, Oh, that's right. Houston doesn't have a pick until I think number 75 or 80. That's the other thing I've done a lot on this podcast is bash what the Houston Texans do because they're either really healthy or they're really hurt, but they need help. They need offensive line help and they need defensive back help. So with Houston at 80, I don't know what they'll do, but I just thought of it right away. But then I remember, oh yeah, you traded your first round pick to get Laramie Tunsil, who's not signed. Um, yeah. There's just, this year is honestly, I always pay attention to the draft and the combine. This year though, it's extra close attention because this draft this is like the first time I think in a long time where both NFL, there's more than one draft that's just absolutely stacked. Where you have the NFL draft that's going to be stacked, you have the NHL draft that's going to be stacked. I just wanted to mention that because even though we're, we're this is mainly a football podcast, or not mainly, it is a football podcast. You can't ignore what, like just looking at all the talent that are coming up in all the leagues professionally. It's a great time to be a sports fan. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it definitely, like, personally, I feel like it's a very offensive draft, and I feel like that'll get a lot of people into it, just because people like the offensive players. Exactly, and you look at a year like 2013, where it was all offensive linemen, and you're just out there being like, okay, can we draft a quarterback, can we draft a receiver now? But this year, when you see quarterback, wide receivers, even tight ends, because one tight end, too, I want to mention quickly, and I, part of me has a feeling that he may end up in New England, is Thaddeus Moss. Yeah, I feel like it would have been great to see him at the Combine. I feel like he, I mean, I feel like on LSU, he kind of was shown to the public just because of them going and winning the championship and him having two touchdowns in that championship game. I feel like he's definitely a player that I would have liked to see at the Combine, similar to a Justin Jefferson. It's always nice to see those players on those great championship teams at the Combine individually, like I was saying earlier. So it kind of hurt not seeing him there, but... I feel like he could definitely go, like, third round, fourth round, and be a pretty good starter in the league. Exactly. You nailed that on the head. So that's why I was saying, too, I think Thaddeus Moss will be probably a third rounder. He may sneak up into the second round, but for the most part, I think he'll be a third rounder. Um, 
but anyway, just to wrap things up for today, because um, I want to have you back on, and if you enjoyed today, that's also great too. But yeah, sounds great. Is there any other thoughts you have about the combine? Any other players to watch out for, even to that talent that may sneak up potentially into the first round? Um, I feel like Devin Duvernay is somebody to watch. I feel like I'm not sure if he's going to go first round. Probably early second round. And also another thing is that I feel like it's a very a lot of people are talking about how great the wide receivers are, how good the running backs are. I feel like the offensive line is definitely a thing to watch. There's like probably five to six offensive linemen that could be like intertwined like or interchanged as the best offensive lineman in the draft. I feel like it's just so top heavy there and it's not getting enough attention. That's exactly why this draft is good because no matter what position you're drafting at, especially in the first round, most teams are going to get a player that they like. And I don't think there's going to be like, I remember who was it last year? It was the lineman out of Boston college that the Falcons drafted. I know his first name was Chris. I think it was like Chris Fitzpatrick or something like that. Let's Google it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. But I remember the Falcons drafted him, and then like they go to the draft party, and when your draft party basically is doing a what the fuck or who, or like a why did we take this player, it's not a good look. But I feel like this year you're not going to see a lot of that. It was Chris, Chris Lindstrom, the guard out of Boston oh, yeah, College. Yeah, because yeah, I remember when I think he, he was got, also a center. Yeah, he's a center too. Excuse me, but still offensive lineman. I think I saw guard on the. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think he is both. Feet. I'm not sure what he plays in the NFL. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure I remember him being a center and a guard. Exactly, but even, even too, like I feel like you're not going to see a lot of that unless the team decides just to take off and go totally right field or just off the wall with a pick. You're not going to see a lot of a huh or a eh. You're going to yeah, see a like lot of people some- that are happy. Sometimes in Seattle trades up in the first round and they pick somebody that nobody's ever heard of and it's kind of a confusing one, but I feel like, yeah, it's kind of hard to not know who a lot of these players are because, I mean, like a lot of the public who don't even watch football, a lot of them know like at least 30 to 40 players in this draft just because it's that deep. Exactly, and that's like that's why I did this podcast too. So for people who listen who are more – because like, like when I talk football with a lot of my friends and I start talking college, a lot of them will go like, I don't watch college. Like me, myself either. I do watch college, but I don't pay attention more or less closer to the end of November when the championship games start, just because watching college, watching NFL, having a life, it's very, very difficult, but I do keep up the best I can. But anyway, uh, follow, uh, follow, like I said, NFL underscore draft scouting on Instagram. Is that the account? Yep. All right. Follow the account. Thank you very much for being on today's podcast. And Look forward to speaking to you closer to the draft as we are only about, I think, six weeks away, April 23rd, um, when the Cincinnati Bengals will be officially on the clock. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great. Just want to give another quick shout-out to NFL underscore draft scouting on Instagram. He has got his rankings up there. He's got the players that he likes up there. Um, Him and I talked. So now you guys know, going into the draft, not only who had good combines and good impressions, but who he likes personally. Why? Because, sure, he's not Todd McShay. Sure, he's not Mel Kuyper. Um, I was going to say Bucky Brooks, but he had a horrible mock draft. And honestly, I hated the, his mock draft. You know what? Give him a follow. He's always updating stuff with the NFL draft as a whole. I am going to post it to And if you haven't yet, follow us on Instagram at YWC Football Talk on Instagram. Twitter account coming very, very soon. But anyway, guys... Um, the only thing I want to throw in with today quickly is a quick little Tom Brady talk. Why? Because I am a New England Patriots fan. I just want to say quickly for a lot of the people who are speculating about where he's going, I feel like a lot of them don't know, and I think it's just 
honestly, more than less of me wants me to see him stay in New England, not only because I love the guy, but just to see everyone eat fucking crow on the subject matter. Literally, that's all it has to do with. Just to eat crow. That's all. I just wanted to throw that in there. But anyway, guys, I'm going to try to do this more often because we got free agency coming up. Like I said before, not a lot happens between the Super Bowl and the Combine, but you know what? We got trades. We've actually There's actually a couple other trades that broke tonight. Um, I know, I think it was the Carolina Panthers did a big trade with the Denver Broncos. Uh, Ooh, let's see this here. Got to go to Shefty's Twitter account, Mr. Adam Schefter. Let's see here. Uh, Busy day for the Panthers. Uh, Signed former defensive lineman Chris Smith to a one-year deal, allowing him to remain in the area in which he lives. And they have traded Pro Bowl guard... That's not Trey. Or maybe Trey, but it's spelled T-R-A-I. Turner to the Chargers for Pro Bowl offensive tackle Russell Okun. That's the one thing I want to point out right now. You really expect Tom Brady to go to a team like the L.A. Chargers who do not have that good of an offensive lineman and guess what? Just lost their best offensive lineman to the Carolina Panthers who, if you keep Cam Newton and you have Christian McCaffrey, who knows what the Carolina Panthers are going to be next year. So I just wanted to throw that in there. But you know what? Coming very, very soon, Phil is going to be back on here. Phil has not been on here in a while because schedules haven't crossed paths. It's going to be a few other buddies of mine coming in. NFL underscore draft scouting will be back before the draft like he said. And we are going to have a first take free agency. There's going to be a free agency preview show and a recap show. Which one there's going to be multiple people on, I don't know yet. But I am getting the best of the best of my friends who know NFL football because we got to break this all down. And also, too, when the schedule comes out, ooh, you better believe I'm going to be on here previewing the schedule. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening to today's episode. Like like my post on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at YWC Football Talk Podcasts. This podcast is now available on the Anchor app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and there's one other one. I got to open up my emails and check Anchor just to see, because I remember there was another one that they did send me. Like, this all just came out of nowhere. Ooh, let's see as the emails load. Radio Public. At radiopublic.com slash YWC at YWC slash football dash talk. The links are all available there. And also to my anchor profile at anchor.fm slash YWC football talk. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening to today. And I will see you in the next episode, which we are hitting double digits. Next episode, episode 10. But thank you very much for listening to episode number nine. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. 
wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.